More and more people are using their phones to get their work done. Atlanta-based AirWatch makes that easier by letting people run popular business apps on their personal devices. And they must be doing it well because VMware bought them for $1.5 billion a few years back. Today, we talk to AirWatch's own Mandy Cornwell about how they're using customer interviews and iterative prototyping to keep that company growing strong. This is Design Driven, the podcast about using design thinking to build great products and lasting companies. Whether you're running a startup or trying something new inside a Fortune 1000, the tools, methods, and insights we talk about will help you create things people love. And now, your host, Jay Cornelius. Hello, everybody. We are excited to have Mandy Cornwell. She is the user experience manager at VMware AirWatch here in Atlanta. Uh, We're excited to have you on the show today. How are you, Mandy? I'm great. How are you doing? Fantastic. It's a sunny day. Weather's a little bit crisp, but um, it's all good. So tell us about uh, what happens over there at uh, VMware AirWatch. What are you guys working on? Sure. Um... Probably I need to give a little context for where we are within VMware and and what um, our group does. So uh, VMware, you know, is a large company, has many different business units. Um, We're part of the end user computing group, and um, we're really part of the AirWatch product and Workspace One. And what those products do is help companies to uh, mobilize their employees and make them productive. Um, on their mobile devices. So that's um, phones, laptops, um, tablets, all those sorts of things. And our software and our products help their IT staff to make sure that employees have access to email, VPN, Wi-Fi, all the apps that they need to do their jobs and really make that a very seamless easy experience for the employees as well as um, the IT staff uh, for our customers. So um, personally, uh, uh, my team, uh, our team here works on the administrative console. And so our our primary users are referred to as admins or administrators, and they're usually part of the IT staff um, for our customers. Nice. And I guess as more and more people are more and more mobile and phones become more and more powerful, the the expectation for what you can do from a phone becomes a lot higher. So what are you seeing in terms of the trends of what people are asking for and how do you know what to build next? Sure. So we work with, um, obviously, customers directly to understand what they're, they're trying to help their employees do. Um, and we have also in-user-facing products um, apps to help make them more productive. So we have a, a email app, a content app, um, and and those are work obviously in our product suite uh, seamlessly. And um, we're working on ways to help help uh, users be able to act instantly from from those apps um, on things that they need to do for their business. That's one example. Um, you know, we, we have a, a pretty, pretty large scope of what the product does. So there, there's many different um, projects that are ongoing to help make improvements and um, really meet our customers' needs. 
Yeah, that sounds sounds like it's uh, pretty challenging work. Um, how did you yes. get to AirWatch? I know you've, you've um, you had some time at some other companies. Um, so how did you get to where you are and, and what kind of fuels the, the um, methodology that you're using in your daily work? Sure. So I was, I've been um, doing user experience design for, oh, 13, 14 years now. I've worked in various industries and um, com- types of companies I've worked in agencies. I've worked in in-house teams like, like I am here. Um, I've worked in telecom and, um, device manufacturers, uh, Motorola. And so this is, this is really the first time I've worked in, in like a true B2B environment, um, which is an interesting change of pace. And, you know, what, what that really does is, um, given us an opportunity or me an opportunity to, to work more directly with customers. You know, when you're in advertising, um, it's a little different, you know, when your marketing sites or um, e-commerce, you have a different sort of relationship with the customer than in a business setting where you can really interact very closely with the customers um, and they work, they rely on your products on a day-to-day basis. So they're much more um, invested in giving feedback. And I find that to be a really good, good relationship and opportunity to really get their input into the products. Right. So what kind of tools are you using to get that input? Are you um, having like focus groups or are you doing surveys or how do you get that feedback and what kind of questions Mm -hmm. are you asking? Like what, what, insights are you looking for from those people and how do you incorporate that into decision-making for what you build? Sure. We, we have done a variety of things. So, um, it depends on the phase of the project and what we're hoping to learn. So, uh, on a project that, that we've run over the past year, we've done a customer conversations and research, um, in, in multiple phases. So in the beginning, it was uh, more of questioning them, asking them how they work today, what problems they're facing, and trying to understand how we can help to solve those problems. And then we moved into creating some design concepts, um, a couple of concepts, and then we tested those concepts with those same customers, um, trying to obviously understand is this are these two are these options working for you? What what do they like? What do they don't like? What is you know in a, in a little bit of a usability testing way, kind of an informal usability testing way, um, understanding like is it easy to use? What changes should we make to make it um, a, a smoother process? And then continuing down, you know, once we had clarified a design direction, moving into detailed design, and then doing more formal usability testing on the final design. Um, so we've gone through all that and then we've kind of created that product and now we're moving on to the next phase, the next iteration, and we're going to kind of repeat that a little bit, um, trying to get feedback all along the way. 
Yeah, so it sounds like you're doing prototyping, um, kind of, I don't know what level of fidelity of prototyping you're doing, but you're, you're doing some basic prototypes to prove that you're actually going in the right direction and the things that you're building are going to solve the problems for the customer. And then you're adding more of the design layer and, and going into kind of a higher fidelity. Is that, is that accurate? Or? That's correct. Yes. Um, we're trying to get, you know, increasing levels of confirmation before we commit to a final design before we start actually building it. Um, it's a pretty, uh, it's not an easy thing to build, so it involves quite a bit of uh, back-end coding. So we wanted to make sure that we were had the right direction before we move forward with that. Yeah, before you send it to developers. So how would you say that process has helped you build things faster or more accurately? Or what kind of metrics are you tracking around that? Or how, how would you say that's improved the overall development process? Sure. Um, from my perspective... I feel more um, confident with our designs and that, you know, they're really going to meet the needs of our, of our customers by the fact that we've gone through several rounds of customer feedback. Um, and we've gotten that validation, obviously, from sharing it with the customers. So it's, it's not going to be a surprise when it's launched. And I think that's really important when you have such a large customer base because mm -hmm. you know when you put something out there it it means something and your customers look at it and they and they judge you know your competency your you know whether you understand their needs and by having that knowledge that we've already gotten that confirmation all along the way we're we're just helping the business overall Right. Have you seen um, the customers themselves respond differently to that process? Like what, what's their feeling about being involved in that way? Yeah. So um, one of the things that we did, actually, we have a user conference every year. And this year it, um, it's been here in Atlanta. And so we're able to actually meet with some of them in person. And we use that opportunity to do a few usability tests um, in person with some customers. And you know, they respond really well to, to, to being invited to participate. Um, like I said, because they're, this is their tool that they use all day long, uh, for most of them, you know, some of them have other responsibilities, but, uh, they're invested in it and they, they want to, they want to give feedbacks, a lot of them. So, um, it, it's usually a very positive experience for the, uh, customer, as well. And we had one customer that we met with and based on our meeting that we had, you know, he went to the uh, head of our R and D department and told him it was the best experience he had had at the connect conference. So, wow. um, for the most part, it's yes, very positive, uh, meetings and conversations that we're having. Yeah, when we've done similar work, we see that um, oftentimes you get involved with conversations with the actual customers and you find that you were completely off base or going down the wrong path or, or thinking about things the wrong way um, when it came to the next iteration for development of the application. Have you had that same experience? And if, if so, can you share a story about how that changed your direction or how that changed your way of thinking? Sure. 
I've definitely had that experience um, here you know, on that specific project that I'm, I'm talking about. We, the initial phase was pretty spot on with what, because it was directly driven from customer feedback and, um, you know, challenges that they had been having. But those conversations that we had in the beginning to learn what are their problems, what are they doing now? How are they working around uh, those, the the you know the current solution to get what they need done? Really gave us some excellent insights into how we could go beyond this initial phase and help to inform the roadmap. And then, you know, we got kind of some tidbits from that initial those initial interviews that then we were able to we work with the product managers and in 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 partnership validate those findings right and how have you seen that change the conversations about the overall product direction especially with like sea level management or uh, product owners within the company um, what kind of guidance has the the user centered approach given them and, and what's acceptance been like sure so we after each of the phases of user research that we've done, we've created a um, kind of a presentation type of deck where we can share that with leadership. We can share that with the whole development and, and QE and um, product management team and really make sure everyone on the project is, is fully in the know of what we've been hearing from customers. So, I mean, this has been presented up to executive level, um, the findings, you know, in different in different forms, but, you know, direct quotes, um, the use cases that we've been finding. And so it helps to validate the roadmap, right? And right. Um, make everyone more comfortable with the direction that we're headed. What kind of tools and exercises are you using with your team to... Um, decide what you're going to build and, and what it's going to look like and, and how are you using those tools through the customer testing and, and obviously to communicate with developers as you're building the product. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Sure. Um, the main tools that our team here uses are UX Pin and Sketch and we've recently uh, purchased User Zoom, and so we're getting started using that. Um, so we use UX pen, uh, has prototyping capabilities and we've been using that to create prototypes, um, not super high fidelity prototypes, but high enough fidelity to, to get some clicking and, um, you know, see where the intent of users is and get some, you know, be able to get, send them a link and have them click through the prototype as we're talking through, um, the tasks for, for like usability type testing. And then obviously with user zoom, we're planning to, to do some remote usability testing and, you know, be able to send it and, and capture video and, um, kind of some survey type questions. And it, that's really great for us because, you know, so many of our customers are um, all over the country and all over the world actually. So this will be, allow us to, to get a larger range and quantity of feedback 
than we have been so far. Right. And what kind of exercises are you doing with those tools? Are you using empathy maps or value proposition canvas or any of those types of of exercises to um, just facilitate conversation around the the product? We haven't used those two specifically. Um, we have used experience maps to some degree and um, user flows and um, kind of it just depends on the project what the best um, way to approach it is in the particular um, uh, process and deliverables that, that it requires. I mean, for everything we do, wires, um, annotated wires and visual comps, obviously, and, and flow diagrams. So you, you mentioned working with wireframes and uh, more higher fidelity comps. When you are helping a maybe a client or customer or some other team member through understanding what problem you're trying to solve, what level of fidelity? Like, is that a wireframe or is that something that's more full color? What do you see being most effective in helping them think through that problem, and 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 why does that different fidelity level matter? Sure. Um, for for us in in our world, um, everyone here is pretty comfortable with wireframes, so we don't necessarily need to go to the high fidelity to get um, feedback or buy-in necessarily. So it's faster if we, you know, usually if we stick to wireframe level, um, conceptual level initially, then kind of share that with the main stakeholders, the the team itself, developers, QE, PM, um, maybe some leadership, possibly it depends on the project. And then once you gathered that feedback, you know, obviously if you're going to share with customers, um, that as well, and then narrow down, you know, I see it kind of like a funnel, you know, you're just moving closer towards a final design and, keeping it lower fidelity in the, in the beginning and, and moving towards higher, uh, fidelity visual comps, um, at the, towards the end of the process. Right. So certain types of decisions are being made when it's, uh, in a wireframe or a low fidelity mode and, and other types of decisions are being made as you're adding more color and more texture and, and a higher fidelity uh, design level to the uh, to the product is that accurate? That's correct. And um, also say you know we are working with a product that is there's a lot of patterns that are established. There's a visual design that is established. So um, we can you know there's a lot of things that are understood when you're looking at a wireframe, and you know it's not going to be such a drastic change when we move to the visual comps as it might be in in other types of um, businesses or, you know, in marketing or uh, advertising sort of scenarios. Right. Now, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because we've had lots of conversations about design systems and pattern libraries. So Mm -hmm. if you're using those, like how has that influenced the uh, ability to get things done faster and with a more accuracy and less confusion across the, the different 
departments within VMware? Sure. We, we're, we're kind of in a constant state of evolution on that. Um, in my experience, the pattern library is never finished, right? Um, you may get to a good point with any patterns and then technology changes. We may want to move to a new um, front-end technology and then, you know, that shifts things. But uh, it's really important for enterprise products, very large products to have um, a pattern library and be working towards that and making sure it's part of the process because you just have so many um, parts of the interface that are very similar and it can become unwieldy over time if you don't enforce some consistency there. Right, so how are you, um, how are you developing that pattern library? What kind of tools are you using for that? Sure. Um, well, we're building in Astro Angular, and so um, we're using Bootstrap. But then, you know, that that's a base of the library, and we're building on top of that to create patterns for things like um, wizards and list views and and things that are kind of pervasive throughout an enterprise type product. And we're building it out um, in um, like a website, right? So developers can reference the patterns and the code that goes with them. And we're building out also a design library basically for our design tools so that designers can pull from the patterns as well. And um, one of the the, uh, the folks that's really running that here, he's uh, developing a process so that as teams come across new patterns that they need, we can make sure that it's going through a really um, thorough process so we can ensure that it's a really a, a good pattern before it gets added to the library. So you're doing some testing with that pattern before it actually makes it into the production library? That's the plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so when you're, you're testing with customers, are, are they exposed to that process at all or is that all internal? Right now, all of that's internal. Um, but as we have more patterns that we add, that we then we may be exposing them to those patterns. I'm not sure that we would frame it that way to the customers. Um, we probably, I imagine, we probably frame it as you know, just we want you to test this interface and here's your scenario. So, how early in the process are you bringing customers in and starting to get feedback from the people who are going to be using the product, as opposed to? Um, sitting in a room and conjuring up your own ideas about what needs to happen. Sure. Um, it depends on the the scope of the project. Um, when we're, when UX team is working side by side with PM, then the product managers, we're always, you know, wanting to dig in and understand like, well, how did this problem come about and what customers have we heard from and, what it, what is really going on with those customers and what other customers have the same problem so that we can make sure that the solution that we come up with is going to meet a variety of customers needs and not just one type of customer. So right. um, we obviously want to be involved as early as possible. We want to be basically like side by side with the product manager, you know, they're, they're have, you know, 
not just a customer hat, they have a business hat on and we are, you know, we're thinking highly about the customer experience, but you know, it's really important for us to understand the business side of things as well and the value that the that this particular feature brings. Like sometimes we want may want to create like a really amazing experience, but if you find out it's only going to be used by a certain percentage of customers, that may not be uh, the best strategy. So we sure. want to be working, you know, really closely with PM and understanding all of those factors. Yeah, and those are important questions to ask about. Uh, what problem are they trying to solve, and um, what is the actual outcome they are looking for? Um, is, are those the kind of questions you're asking, or how do you get more insight into not just how to build the interface, but how to help people actually accomplish the goals that they're trying to to do in their daily work? In the beginning, we have sessions uh, before we start really designing where we're, we're working with PM to really understand where did this problem come from and everything we can possibly learn about the problem. And then, and then we, we start to, to kind of form either we decide we need to, to do more discussions with customers or we decide we have enough information to move forward. And then we can start um, doing con- concepts and kind of vetting that. And that's where that's where we might go ahead and share the concepts with customers. Some of the customers that were specifically asking for this solution, so we can make sure that it's really meeting their needs. Right. And are you always going back to the same kind of core group of customers, or how do you choose which customers you're actually going to talk to about certain things? No, it depends because I mean we have we have quite a few product managers actually, so um, it depends on what the project is, like what part of the product that it relates to, and then um, usually the product manager will know which customers would have a particular interest in that feature set and can help us find customers to talk to. Um, so right. we're also, you know, we obviously don't want to be talking to the same customers over and over and over again. Um, that will it lead to really biased designs and, and ultimately the product. Uh, so right. we do try to ensure we're getting a variety um, of different size of customers, different um, um, industries and different needs that they have. Right. And, and just for kind of um, understanding the scale, like how many customers are you talking about? Like how large is the customer base? And then versus how many people are you typically talking to? We have thousands of customers. So there's a very large customer base and um, we're global. So there's sales all over the world. Um, we haven't done as, as much user research outside of the U.S., but um, like I said, with UserZoom, we have the opportunity to do that down the road. Um, when we do a user research, um, right now we've been doing the kind of the typical six to eight to um, each round of feedback. And we may use the same customers or we may talk to different customers in each of those kind of um, um, sessions. 
whether we're really refining something or we want to get a variety of feedback or what we have access to at the time. Yeah. And does that depend on what phase you are in development in terms of how many people you talk to or who you talk to? You mentioned earlier that you try to go back and talk to the same people um, that you spoke to early in the process. So does that ever shift or is that a pretty rigid methodology? No, it's not rigid. Um, I mean, ideally we would be probably going to more um, different customers at different phases of the project to, to get the additional validation, um, which is another reason why we're going to be using user zoom so that we can really push it out to a wider, um, audience. So, um, looking at the, the, the work as a whole, what would you say is one of the more challenging aspects of what you're doing and, and have you given any thought to how you might be able to solve that? I mean, it's challenging because we are a relatively small design team compared to the size of uh, the dev and QE and PM groups, and we're growing. But um, it's hard to have the coverage right now of the the scope of the work. So that's a big challenge. Um, But we have doubled in size in the Atlanta office over the past year. We've added a content strategy discipline the Palo, office, Palo Alto office has added a user researcher, um, dedicated user researcher. Uh, so, you know, the, the, we're getting the support, we're getting um, leadership buy-in to, to have more of a design focus, but there, it's a volume um, challenge. There's, the product is very complicated. Um, it's been grown over the past you know, many years since it was created and it's, it's vast. It has, for example, there's 300 to 400 settings pages. Um, and on those pages, there's obviously multiple settings. So that's just a kind of a idea of the breadth of the product. Um, and so, you know, it's not going to be a, right. we change everything all at once. It's going to be a, a strategic you know, high, what's high impact to, to make a change and to make improvements and have a strategy for, for doing that over time. And, and it's, you know, not something that is, um, going to be all planned at one time. It's going to be an evolution. Right. It's a very iterative process. Yes. And each iteration might take you a slightly different direction than you than you thought. That's correct, right? Um, speaking of, of iterations, um, is there a specific methodology that you subscribe to? Like, are you following the the D school methodology from Stanford or the IDEO methodology, or have you kind of created created your own thing? Um, I, I don't. We don't follow a specific one, um, kind of religiously. We, we actually have had um, Stanford design training. They actually brought in uh, some folks from the D school and had an in-day training last year for, for uh, members of the R&D team. It was um, a, a group within R&D. And I've actually just finished taking a, a Stanford design thinking course, um, which is also something that was offered through VMware. So they, they have um, been putting some effort behind uh, bringing design thinking into the organization, which I really appreciate. 
Um, but I would, you know, I still, even though that's kind of been an influence here, I, I wouldn't say we follow those strictly. We look at them as a toolkit, um, a, you know, having more knowledge of more methodologies and um, approaches that are available to us. And then picking the one, the one right ones at the right time based on many factors, time available, <laughs> you know, the, the type of project, what information we already have and, and really trying to go from there. So we're not, yeah, we're not following a very strict um, methodology. Yeah. We find that not many people are like all of those tools are, are helpful, but they're just a tool in the tool right. belt. And it really comes down to having somebody on the team or having a team of people available who understand which tool to pull out at which point in the project and how that's going to affect the overall outcome. Yes, completely agree. Right. What, um, what would you say, like any parting wisdom or any little tidbits of uh, knowledge you'd like to share? Um, I think, you know, and I'll speak from the perspective of enterprise business. If you, if you, as a, as a user experience designer within an organization or um, you care about the customer experience, you know, if you want to have more influence, I think it's important to really build that relationship with the product manager or multiple product managers and, you know, make sure that you're, you're thinking like you own the experience, um, get to know people don't, you know, don't, just take in requirements, make sure you really understand them, the business problems, the competition, um, you know, and really work hand in hand with the PM. So you're, you're supportive of each other and, you know, really working towards, uh, the, the same, same goals. And, um, I found that to be really helpful. Right. So it sounds like just finding alignment within both the product, the dev and, and the design side of the organization is, is really critical to, um, to, to achieving some success with the product itself. Very much so. And right. also, I'd say, um, especially in enterprise and business context, you know, talk to your customer facing teams, such as like call center, sales support. Um, if you can't um, those are other places that we go for customer feedback, um, not just to customers directly. And right. they're, they're usually very easy to access. And, um, you know, not that they're a replacement for customer feedback, but they're a great complement to it. And um, it's important to obviously you know, work with those teams and, and make sure you understand the problems that they're, they're hearing about. Yeah, because they're dealing with customer feedback every day. So they're a right. huge source of knowledge for what's actually happening within the product and how people are feeling about it. Yep, for sure. Yeah, so I guess the overall theme there is try to eliminate the silos that typically exist within some of these organizations where um, the teams that the just don't talk to each other enough and kind of break that down and get more cross-functional teams working together and you end up with a better product as a result. Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, I'd say take that even further. Like it's, it's a, it's a cultural thing. You, you know, you want to help try to alleviate other teams pain points in any way that you can, um, or at least understand them. And once you start to do that, then things are going to go much smoother. 
people are going to be less stressed and feel more inclined to, to want to do those things that are going to help the customer experience and the product overall. Yeah, that's an interesting point about um, helping to not just solve the customer's problems, but help solve problems for your coworkers too. So if, right. if they're struggling with um, helping a team get something done or helping customers with their goals, then perhaps there's an opportunity to improve that as well. Correct. Yes. Um, yeah. No, that's that's good. That's yep. great stuff. Um, so um, if somebody out there wants to get in touch with you and hear more about what's going on there at VMware AirWatch and, uh, or maybe just chat with you about your process and, and what's going on, what's the best way to uh, reach out? Sure. So uh, I, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me easily there, Mandy Cornwell. And you can also find me on Twitter at MandyCo, M-A-N-D-Y-C-O, as well as mandy.cornwell at gmail.com. Well, Mandy, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know that uh, you and the rest of the team there are really busy. So I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. And I'd love to catch up with you at some point and maybe have you back on the show at some point to chat about what's happened between now and then. Wonderful. Yes. I'd I'd love to, to continue the conversation. It's been good chatting with you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to Design Driven. We're glad you enjoy the show. Have comments, questions, or an idea that you'd like us to cover? Point your browser to designdriven.biz and click Contact Us on the top of your screen. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends and colleagues about the Design Driven Pod. Post on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send them an email. And tell them to go to designdriven.biz or wherever they find their podcasts. Until next time, remember what Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said, Good design is good business.